0: Hello, and welcome to the 34th episode of the Queen Bee Book Club. I'm Audrey. And I'm Cher. And we are your Queen Bees. So today, not only are we recording in different states, we are also recording in different time zones. And I'm recording at my parents' house, so it's a new location for me to be recording, period. Yes. Um, I'm in my bedroom, though, so we're both in bedrooms. Yes. I'm on the so. floor. Which, frankly, feels right for the Age of Innocence, like... A little bit of a boudoir setting probably (laughs) is the right way to go. Yeah, that's fair. But also if, like, there's, like, a new sound element um, from my end or yours, that's probably why. Um, I think think we figured that out. I think it was that weird, like, sound enhancer that was added on your end. Well, and what's interesting, so today, since I was on the lookout for that, I selected, like, the podcast option. But there was no way, like, I couldn't figure out how to change the effect the way that I could when it's just vocals, which I think is strange. Huh, that is strange. Yeah, so I don't really know what the difference is between voice and podcast, but because there's a podcasting option in the voice selection. I, have I no, just think I have garage no answer band that. is, like, overcomplicating things for everyone, and I don't need it. Yeah, I know. I tend to agree.
1: <laughs> well. Um, but
0: I was concerned that um, my upstairs neighbors tend to rustle around, and, uh, you know, their dog scatters about, and so. Well, we're fostering five puppies right now. Sure. And um, Which is great. It is great. Um, and one of them, I considered bringing her as a guest because no. she is the queen bee of the five puppies we are fostering. <laughs> her name is Apricot. Mm-hmm. She is, like, arguably, like, the most conventionally cute puppy. Mm-hmm. Um, of the five or just in general? Of the five. I mean, okay. in general, like, she's pretty cute, but, like, I'm not going to make a claim that she's the cutest puppy ever to exist. <laughs> um but she's like a little bit bigger than the others which like she's still the size of a guinea pig but like she just mm-hmm. is like more round and so she like kind of dominates everybody and like will like kick people out of the food bowl and perfect she only pees in private mm-hmm. like she doesn't like to go to the bathroom on the lawn like the rest of them she goes in the mm-hmm. bushes sure so she's a lady mm-hmm. um but yeah but I've started calling her queen bee Mm-hmm. She's so cute. Uh-huh. As you should. Yeah. If if I was to take one of those puppies home, I would be taking Apricot. Mm-hmm. But they're all cute, and it's been very fun. Yeah. Are they all, like, just, like, mixed breed dogs? or? So their, um, their story is they are the puppies of a homeless woman's dog. And so mm-hmm. the homeless woman's dog was not spayed or whatever. Yeah, mm-hmm. spayed. And so... We don't know who the dad is of these puppies, Mm -hmm. so she's a miniature pincher, so most of the puppies, like, have that coloring, except for Apricot, Mm -hmm. who is a little bit different, but... Who is more Apricot-colored, if you will. (laughs) Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I don't, I really have no idea, and they all look different, like, two of them kind of of have kind of, like, a wiry hair. Yeah, I would, I would not have guessed that they were all from the same mother. Well, they are. Well, so, there you go. And I don't know if, like, this is probably going to make me sound dumb, but, like, is it, like, cats where you can have two different dads in the same litter? Oh, I don't know. I feel like I want to say yes, but I have no clue. I want to say yes just based on looking at apricot, but. Yeah. um, But maybe she's, like, you know, the recessive gene on the pea plant. Like, you know, when we learned it. Like, she's just, like, the one different one. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's just all the recessive genes. I don't know. Should bring her into biology classes to help really drive home genetics. Yeah, but I think I think she might already have a home. So, um, yeah. There's another one that humps everything, and I'm like, you are seven weeks old. (laughs) You need to relax. (laughs) Um, how was your fourth? The fourth of July. My fourth (laughs) was good. Um, I went up to Tahoe. Mm -hmm. I did wake surfing, which is, like... You... I I have to say, when I saw those pictures, you look like a professional athlete doing that. (laughs) Like, I was so impressed. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. That means a lot. Um, If it... I hate to reveal, but, like, so the video that I... I basically turned me wake surfing into, like, a small gif of, like, looping Mm -hmm. me, like like doing like basically a jump over a wave which like mm-hmm. if you watch the rest of the video I immediately fall but like okay. I got it just right where it's like it looks like I landed it successfully so well, I am mean, not what a professional social media is so. Yeah. so But you just looked like you just looked so like muscular and athletic and then like in the other video or whatever like pictures or something when you were like putting on the gloves I was like who is she? I don't know. It's <laughs> it's a, it's a new persona. It's like her CrossFit days. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, remember when I did that? Um yeah, I will say like so I've done I've done some wakeboarding too and this is mm-hmm. much I would say easier than wakeboarding once you're up, but it's much harder to, to actually like get up. Mm. So yeah, so I'm, like, I'm kind of enjoying that and, like, making that my summer hobby whenever I'm up at the lake to practice that. But it was very yeah. wavy over the fourth, mm-hmm. so I didn't get to do as much of it as I would have liked. Yeah. Um, but I got to spend some time um, with my cousin Kara and Christopher and their son Colin, who's very sweet. Which, um, shout out, honestly, I was, I'm glad that you brought up Kara because I was thinking to myself that we need to shout out to Kara. Who is an OG listener. Yes, she's great. Very, like, I think she is the only person that commented on my Instagram (laughs) that was like asking a question. Yes, and she responded thoughtfully. Like, you know, I feel like we give a lot of love deservedly to All Star listener Jess McCune, but I think Kara deserves a lot of that love too. I would 100% agree. Kara also is one of the few listeners who actually will read some of the books. Mm-hmm. model listener. and will and will text me like listen like I don't like this part about this <laughs> so yeah so she she did read Age of Innocence and she's finished with it so That's she finished it. before me Wow. which I mean That's, this is my third competition <laughs> what I, this is my third time reading it but like Like, Kara's like, Well, haven't you read it before? Like, do you need to read it? I'm like, Yeah, because, like, there's no plot in this book. And so it's Mm -hmm. like, I know the plot, which is, I could explain in one sentence, but there's so many details that I would never, ever remember. Yeah, I think I've read, like, Pride and Prejudice like five times, and I still feel like I would need, if I was going to have to talk about it thoughtfully, I would need to read it again. Like, obviously, just to have a conversation about it now, but, like, like, I mean, for all of my English classes, I always felt like I had to read it again because people would bring up stuff and I'd be like, what? Yeah, no, totally. How was your 4th of July? It was really good. It was very warm. And oh, really yeah. Humid. How warm is it there? Um, it's like it's settled into that typical like 90 degrees and deeply humid weather that we have all come to expect from Washington, D.C. God, I don't miss that at all. Um so it's I feel like it's not as horrible as it like could be, but it's been pretty hot for the past couple of days. Um and but it was good. I went to a Rose Garden where for like the first hour basically they played exclusively Bruce Springsteen. And then what the, the second heck? hour it sounds like they played my Mecca. exclusively the Beach Boys. And I was Oh like, my god. Did Cher make these playlists? <laughs> Does Cher but own I, this restaurant? But I really appreciated that move of like, look, we're not going to make a playlist. We're just going to play one one artist's oeuvre, and then the next one, and we're just going to continually move through it that way. I thought it was a it was a bold choice. But it worked for them. I really like that. I also like when places commit to like a like I guess it's sort of when they do like a Pandora radio for like, one song, and then it's, like, everything's Mm -hmm. pretty related, Mm -hmm. I don't like it when they are all over the map. Yeah, that's not always great. And then I went to Matt and Nora's for, like, a little barbecue thing later in the evening, which was very lovely. Yeah, big shout-out to Matt's lobster shirt that I saw on Instagram. it was flawless. Yeah. Um, It was really special. And Nora made very delicious burgers, which everyone enjoyed. Whenever... Okay, well, I guess I can talk about this now since I promised I would. Um, mm. You know, whenever I think of a perfect hostess, I think of Nora. Mm-hmm. And I was trying to channel Nora in hosting Brennan's 30th birthday. <laughs> sure. Which this past weekend. And um, I don't know that I'm going to do it again until his 40th birthday because <laughs> it was not the best. Like, like the party itself turned out fine, whatever. But like I did have a period of time where I called my mom and just cried because I was like Mm -hmm. I hate I hate this so much because Mm -hmm. I went to the balloon store and I had pre-ordered like those like gold foil number balloons and then I'd also ordered some like regular old classic balloons Mm -hmm. and I had been reading reviews about Party City like you need to go there days in advance because you could be waiting up to like four hours and I'm like. Really? Okay. So, I went the day before my party because I'm like, well, shoot. Like, I didn't realize I needed to, like, place this order in advance. There was no one there. There was no line. There was no wait. Like, I mean, are re- they talking about, like, the peak of graduation season that you need to do that? Because I've never thought of Party City as, like, it's a zoo. Like, you'll not ne- I mean, it's very busy at Halloween, but I feel like it's a pretty reasonable establishment otherwise. I guess I just don't know, like, what peak balloon season is. But I don't (laughs) know. is it prom? Like, I don't. I don't know. Well, and I think that she was saying, like, she's like, how many balloons do I have? I'm like, I don't know, probably like, like, 12 balloons total. Uh And she was like, oh, no problem. So I guess they must get orders of, like, hundreds of balloons. And so in that case. Oh, I see. Then if you get behind one of those people, then you're screwed. But anyway, that didn't happen Mm -hmm. to me. And so she asked me, she's like, well, like, when is your party? I'm like, it's tomorrow afternoon. And she's like, oh, okay, well, like, these, like, normal balloons aren't going to last um, more than eight hours if we do it the normal way. But I have this special stuff that I can pour into the balloon before I blow it up that it's going to make them last for, like, 48 hours. I'm like, great, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> so, like, she pours this, like... It like she like pumps like lotion, it looks like into it, sort of, and then blows yeah. them up, whatever. And it's been really, really hot in Boston. Not mm-hmm. not as hot as DC, but like it's just actually though, maybe like the temperature is hotter than DC, but it's not humid, so it doesn't feel as bad. But
1: mm-hmm. I walk
0: outside and like because of the heat, immediately every single balloon except for three pop like on impact with the outside. Oh, my God. And that glue, like, the stuff that is inside that she'd poured into the balloons is basically, like, glue. So it's, like, it's all over my car. It's all over my hair. It's all oh over my, my shirt. God. It's all over my <laughs> skirt. Like, it's everywhere. And, and then I realized that, like the three balloons that I do have are blocking my, like, back window. So I'm, like, trying to, like, push them down and, like, wrestling with them as I'm driving. And it's already hard enough for me to drive in Massachusetts because it's very scary. And at least Mm -hmm. I'm honked out at least once every time I go out. And I'm not Mm -hmm. even going very far. But anyway, so I I sobbed. But the party itself was fine. That's good. It's just a lot of work. Like, hosting parties is a lot of work. And frankly, like... I'm really impressed with people who are able to have people over to their house often and make it look really easy because it's not. Mm -hmm. So just basically shout out to Nora Mm -hmm. and Matt. Yeah. I mean, for real. But also your, your trip to, what was it? Rhode Island Mm -hmm. looked idyllic. We were in Newport, which is featured in the age of innocence. Oh, perfect. Very on brand. Yes. You would really like Newport. Um, When you come visit, I will take you there because it's, like, very bougie and, like, a little bit snobby there. But then they also have just, like, the regular old beach with, like, frozen lemonades. Well, that's everything I like. Yeah. Um, But they have, like, the cool thing that they have, like, the the big thing that they have there is the Newport Mansions, which were, like, Mm -hmm. Edith Wharton's era. Oh. And they're very cool. And it just, like, feels like the Great Gatsby kind of. That's great, yeah. So should we talk about the book? Yeah, let's talk about the book. Now that we've kind of oh wait, segued. I just have I just oh. have one other um, like braggadocious announcement. Um, it's mm-hmm. my one year anniversary on Sunday. Oh my gosh, that's right. <laughs> I know. That's so exciting. Yeah, so we're going to Mendocino um, today for the weekend. That's so nice. Yeah. Wait, is Brendan in – he's in town with you? Yeah, he's downstairs working. No, oh, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I told him, like – I have been in court all morning because, like, I was – I wanted to see this one trial or, like, a pretrial thing um, that was supposed uh-huh. to be at 9 a.m. but didn't end up coming on until 11.30, and then I still had to watch the Gossip Girl episode, so I'm very right. behind schedule in general, <laughs> but – well, but I also like, was I also was not about to not watch that Gossip Girl episode because I knew that that's going to be the thing I want to talk about the whole time. No, it's so fun. It's it so, fun. so fun. Okay, so should we talk about the latter half of the book first and then move on to Gossip Girl? I feel like that's yeah, I think that's the way probably to more it. appropriate. Um, okay, so first of all, I would like to correct the record. Last week, I said that I didn't feel like Newland Archer was that bad, and but like fuck him in this half. Yeah, no, like oh. He sucks. I think it's because it's like, so when this half starts up, it's right when he gets married and he becomes so much more odious to me once he's married and being all whiny and horrible than when he was like an engaged man who was nervous about his future, which I think that's why I kind of gave him a pass before, even though I was like, eye roll, you're like that Trump supporter who's like, oh, no, no, though, like I don't hate women. like but no i think i think in the first half too it's like it's not so brazen and -hmm. like like this is much more calculated and i think like the in the first half he's still actually coming to terms with his own feelings and i think Mm -hmm. doesn't entirely like realize that he's having an emotional affair well and i think he's very much attributing some of these feelings as like um i'm just nervous about this coming wedding and like being kind of tied down and like what a marriage will mean and not wanting to be in one of those like boring New York society like unhappy marriages and so it's like I kind of gave him a little bit of credit but also it's like underneath all that it's like but you're still a man so like you're way better off than like May Welland or Countess Olenska or so any like, of them, or go yeah, like, like, for it, or, yeah. It's like I just don't feel that bad for um, you because hold on. It's like someone's calling me. Oh, it's it's okay. I. It's like one of those dumb things that they're gonna tell me, like it's a credit card offer or like a warrant for my arrest. Sure, yeah. one decline or the other usually. <laughs> <laughs> um. Sorry, but like he very easily, he did not have to marry May basically. And, like, he did not have to, like, May is very much, like, her future is very much tied to, like, an Austin heroine, like, getting married, and so she can find, like, some kind of financial security. But, like, that's not the case with him. Well, also, May also gives him an out. Yeah. Like, May says, like, listen, like, I think that there's somebody else and so if there is, like, you should be with her because I don't want my happiness to come at the cost of somebody else's. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't take the out. Like, I mean, that was his chance, and he doesn't yeah. take it. And so, in like, after that point, I'm sort of like, you made your bed, Newland. You made your choice. You don't get to have it both ways. Yeah, and he's being all whiny. And then, like, at one point, like, like looking at May and being like, maybe one day she'll die. I mean, and I'm like, how dare you? May is, like... She literally has done nothing wrong. She's way smarter than you give her credit for. And, it like, this poor woman is just, like, trying to do everything right the way she was raised. And you're like, ah, maybe she'll die, like, young. And then I can do whatever I want. Well, and I think the reality is, is that, like, Newland just wants it both ways. Like, he wants mm-hmm. all of the status and stability that May represents. But he also mm-hmm. wants, like, passion and adventure, which Ellen represents. And you can't, like... You don't get to have both women. You don't get to have an affair with Ellen while you're married to May. Like, that's not how it works. Well, and he's like constantly making excuses for himself because it's like, he's like, well, you know, nobody laughs at a woman who's been deceived. And also, like, he always hated, what is that guy's name? Like, Lafferts? Oh, Lawrence or Lawrence Lafferts, yeah. Yeah. He's like, I was always disgusted by him and how obviously, like, he has affairs. But it's like, you are literally doing the same thing. And he's like, no, 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 mine's, like, love, though. And it's like, is it because we still in this half are not really given any indication that, like, about what specifically the connection between Newland and Olenska is? Yeah, see, that's the thing is I think that Newland thinks that his relationship with Ellen is somehow, like special when it's like the reality is, is he's literally like any other cheating husband who's like bored with mm-hmm. his life and seeking somebody who's more exciting like it's it's he's it's so common yeah and he thinks it's just so romantic and like, like different like than everybody right I mean it, it's yeah it's it's the exact opposite he's exactly like everybody else that he despises hmm yeah he sucks. I do love all those, like, slight indications, though, that May is, like, pretty with it.
1: and May is, knows like, that he's been having an has... affair with her
0: from day one. Yeah. Like, she's not an idiot. And, like, so we get that, and then, like, in the very last chapter, when it's, like, 26 years later, and May has now at this point died. Yeah. Just like um, he wanted Newland. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Got his way. Yeah. Um, And the son is basically like, oh, yeah, like, mom told me that, like, you chose her, basically. Like, you could have left and you decided not to. Like, she asked you to stay. And he's like, well, she never asked me to stay. And he's like, well, yeah, because, like, you and mom never actually talked to each other. You just (laughs) stared at each other and tried to think of what you guys were thinking. But that's her interpretation, basically. Well, and I think it's, um, I I don't know, it. It sort of is sad because I think that Newland thinks, like, oh, with me and Ellen, like, there's not even need for words. Like, she just (laughs) understands me. Whereas, like, actually, May was the same way. You just never, ever gave her enough credit for, like, he always thought May was somebody who he had to educate and bring up. When, like, the reality was, is, like, she was just as discerning as Ellen Mm Olenska, She just was a little bit more conventional in her lifestyle. Which, like, honestly, Newland talks a bunch of shit about Ellen in the beginning about her lifestyle choices. Mm -hmm. Like, it's only when he's into her that he's like, ugh, she needs a divorce. Yeah. She could never go back to her husband. Yeah, like, that's completely unthinkable. And then at the very end, it's like, may is dead and he very easily could like rekindle with countess olenska and then he won't go inside the house and it's like dude when it's finally okay you're like not gonna go in there i mean i think that there are a couple i mean there are a couple ways to read it though like i think in one way it's like i i think that i think the real ellen olenska could never actually live up to -hmm. the ideal that he's built up in his mind and i think that he knows that Mm -hmm. so i think that The idea of going in there when like she's now gonna be like in her fifties, like it's not gonna be the same. Mm -hmm. Um, And and also the other thing is is like they've really only spent like three days alone together at most. Like they don't Mm -hmm. really know each other all that well. And so I think sometimes when you have like, you know, oh this encounter, Mm -hmm. reality coming into the mix, I think is like pretty likely to show you that actually like it's not what you had imagined yeah no I think that's really true um I like the Buford plot oh where how, he loses all of his money yeah like a wall street 2008 banker just ruining everything with like not that much accountability for it yeah but then I I love that um Newland's son is marrying his bastard yes. daughter and, like, calls her, he's like, um, Countess Olenska was your Fanny. And he's like, what do you mean? Because it's Fanny Buford that he marries, or he's going to marry. And he's like, the woman you would, like, give up everything for. I'm like, well, good for you, Dallas. You actually seem to be in love with the woman you're going to be marrying. But I love that, like, no one will back Regina Buford. And they're like, Nope, she supported him while... He was covering her in jewels, and now she's going to have to support him while he's covering her in scandal. I know. like That is heartless and amazing. Well, and also, it's like, if she doesn't realize he's having affairs every damn day, obviously she doesn't know what he's doing with his business. (laughs) Like, that's just expecting a little much of her. Um, Yeah. I think, like, you see, like... With his son, it's sort of like the next generation is, like, doing what he should have done all along. Yeah. And so his son is sort of, like, living out the life that he had imagined and hoped for for himself. hmm But I think that... And his... Well, well, I think part of the thing is, like, New York society at the time wouldn't have allowed Newland to have the life that he wanted. Right. Because I also don't think Newland would have been willing to actually be with her,
1: with no, Ellen, so. if
0: if it meant that he would be banished from New York. mm Because he likes all that stuff too much. Mm-hmm. He, yeah, well, and I like that moment where they're having... He, he and May are hosting that dinner party, like, ostensibly for Countess Olenska, but he kind of sees himself, or he, like, believes he sees himself, like, through the eyes of everyone there, and he's like, oh, shit, like, everyone knows that Olenska and I have something going on and like they've been using like the Buford thing to basically show me what's going to happen if I continue down this road and like I don't necessarily think that all of them are that in the know about it but I don't think it's unreasonable to think that I mean May definitely knew and I don't think it's unreasonable to think that some of the other people were like something's going on here I think they definitely did know though because there's that one scene where I can't remember if it's Beaufort or Lefferts or anyone. They, like, see him across the street with Madame Olenska, and they cross the street so they, like, aren't party to what's ever going on between them. Yeah, which is, like, apparently, like, a gentlemanly courtesy. And then Lefferts, when he's leaving the party, he's like, oh, um, I told my wife that you and I were going somewhere um, tomorrow, so, like, go ahead and keep that lie for me. Thanks. And I kinda like that moment of like basically being like, you and I are the same now and so you're gonna have to like do this dirty business too. Like you can't just like have your little affair with Countess Alenska and then act like you're a Vander Luden. Yeah, but I think I think the thing that's impressive though on May's part is that she like out chess matches him like at every occasion. Like like, he says, oh, I'm doing that patent case, and then she's like, oh, really? Like, are you, though? <laughs> <laughs> like, she, and she's so quietly and non-confrontationally, like, calls him out on his lie, where she's like, I know you're lying, I've caught you, but I'm not, like, being mean or mad about it. Mm-hmm. So she's subtle. Like, oh, I'll go upstairs now, and and he, uh, I feel like he, and he thinks, like, he's getting away with it, or something, I don't, like, I just, But it's also, like, he's traveling, like, places to see her. Like, it's not even, like, they're just, like, meeting in town. It's, like, he's going to Boston for no reason. I know. It's, like, no, 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 like, I've got to. Well, and then he's, like, I've got to go to Japan. She's, like, please don't. Like, I'm going to have a baby. Yeah. Well, (laughs) and, like, when he, when I think when May realizes that he might be interested in Ellen, that's when she's, like, yeah, we'll post, we'll fast forward this marriage thing. Mm Mm-hmm i'll get my parents to agree to that right away (laughs) and then it's like shoot can't break the engagement now because the the um calligraphy has started or whatever exactly it's all what i thought was interesting is that new york um i liked some of the details that we learn about clothes and fashion oh my god love in um new york city like first of all that women were expected to and did, like, repurpose their wedding dresses in, like, New York City society. So they would kind of get them, like, remade a little bit and then wear them again. And that, like, and it actually becomes a plot point in that um, Newland realizes that he's not seen May do that. And then she finally does it at the opera. And he realizes, like, maybe that's kind of significant that she hasn't, been wearing her wedding dress lately like a lot of women will tend to do but then also that it's like expected that when you get all your clothes your new clothes from Paris you're supposed to like let them sit for a season or two and then you can wear them is that because like they're too trendy so like they won't have hit America yet (laughs) it's like it's vulgar to be like with the trend like you should be like a little bit behind but some women haven't been doing that And the older ladies are, like, scandalized by it. It's so great. Love. Yeah. So, like, ultimately, do you feel any sympathy for the plight of Ellen and Newland? Or are you just team May? I'm very team May. But it's also, like, and that's mostly, though, because... I mean, first of all, I never like any adultery. Yeah, okay, that's, that's fair. never, I'm never on the side of the adulterers. I even wanted Derek and Addison to work it out on Grey's Anatomy. Okay, you're a monster. <laughs> I know. It's like, they're married, it's what's right. <laughs> she cheated on him with his best friend, but yeah, they should work it out. hmm Well, now they were on level playing field. Well, but... yeah, but, but Derek didn't, Derek, they like left, he left, they like had separated. Mm-hmm. When he started sleeping with Meredith. So I don't really consider that adultery. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, like, I think that they, like, in Derek's mind, their marriage was already over. When they sleep together at the prom, though, that is. That is adultery. straight adultery. That's on both adultery. sides. That I didn't She's agree dating with. that vet, too. Yeah. Boring. Well, who cares, who cares so anyways, about so I'm, him? I'm not a of adulterers. But also, like,. There was nothing in there that made me feel like they were actually in love with each other. And, like, even knew anything about each other. Do you think Ellis um, Gray should have stayed with Thatcher? Or are you team no. Richard? Because <laughs> no, I I really... With Richard. What? She should have gotten a clean divorce okay. and then been with Richard instead of having, like, a tour. But affair. what about Adele? Adele's in the way. Oh, Adele. <laughs> I know. Poor Adele. Adele is kind of like a May Welland. <laughs> she is because she's also like she knows exactly what's going on and manipulates things the way she wants. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Adele's a great character. Like I love Adele. Her voice. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it. Don't do the impression. I of won't. It. But like I thought, I saw you like trying to prepare for. No, it no, no, it was, like, no. I just like I just remember in high school like being always delighted in every scene that she was in oh yeah in. yeah she's great but I also like always felt like Ellis and Richard did belong together like because like because Adele like mm-hmm. they're I don't know Adele doesn't really come in as like much of a character until the later seasons and then you sort of see like oh wait they did have like a romance yeah. and love, so I don't know. It's I I feel I feel mixed on that, but I don't feel bad for Thatcher at all. I'm like boring, boring, no. boring. Mean to mean to Meredith. Yeah, doesn't he hit her in one episode? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because it's like after his second wife dies. Oh yeah, that's right. It's not good. That's right. And she dies of something like bizarre too. Yeah, it's like a. Like she, like, it's like hiccups. a freak accident. Yeah, yeah in the um. In the sur- in in surgery or something is Meredith and, on surgery? Like, is she working on her? That seems like a pretty big conflict of interest. I want to say she's not, but I'm not sure. Whatever, who she knows? Yeah, I mean that have been that was a tangent, but okay. Yeah. So your team may. Yeah, because well, also because I mean, like we don't really know a lot about any of these characters. I feel like because everything is very. Because of the need to maintain a level of sociability, I feel like, nobody is able to really like interrogate their own psychology. And everything is through Newland's perspective. Well, but Newland even... is not self-aware either. No. So I mean, he's, I would venture to say, an unreliable narrator, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, which I'm sure is such a hot take about this book. <laughs> Um, but yeah for sure so I I was always very interested in May though because I felt like you could see Edith Wharton sprinkling in a lot of clues like we've said that she was so with it and like really knew what was going on and I like I would have loved to read this book from her perspective me too as and I think like partially like putting it from Newlands made me not not that I didn't enjoy it as much, but it made me feel like I wasn't accessing, like, the tr- true story almost as much as I could have been. Which I don't know what the true story... I mean, I guess it's, like, New York City society and... But I guess... I think that you can read between the lines, though, and mm-hmm. see what's going on. Because you can, you know that May now knows from... Like, you could definitively know that she's known pretty much the whole time. Mm-hmm. And I think that you can read hints of, like, her reactions to his behavior and whatever and see sort of what she's doing. But yeah. I have to say, like, I mean, I, I definitely enjoy May, but, like, my true character that I really want to know all about is Ellen. Yeah. I just feel like there's not enough, like, I don't even think she says anything that I'm like, oh... Like, what's going on here? Like, I feel like she's always just like, oh, like, you've just been so kind. Or, like, Granny wants me to stay. And I'm like, okay. I guess that I just want to know her past. Like That's true. I was curious about that. Because we don't really ever get that much of it. Like we, Like, we get that she had a horrible marriage in some way, but it's very unclear exactly how that was. You also get the sense that she's been mistresses to, like, other people in the past based on, like, mm-hmm. how easily she's like doing this thing with Newland and it seems kind of practiced. Mm-hmm. Um but on the other hand, like I'm a little bit like conflicted because I think that what Ellen is doing is like a pretty huge violation of her female friendship with May. Uh agreed. And I think like she knows that. Mm hmm.
1: Which well, is I, I guess, guess like why she
0: you... ultimately goes back to Europe, right. especially once Mae's like, Hey, I'm pregnant, so if maybe you could like stop trying to like fuck my husband, that would be sweet. Yeah. But also though, Mae lies. Like she's not mm-hmm. pregnant or she's not sure she's pregnant when she tells Ellen. Yeah. I think she doesn't even know that she's like I think she's like, Oh, I think I might be pregnant and then she actually is pregnant, but I don't You're lucky. But yeah, it's... I know. Like I mean, well, Fertile I was Myrtle. When... I was reading that, I was like, how did anyone ever really know they were pregnant back then until, like, they had a baby? I mean, I think, like, probably by, like, month four, you'd, like, start to notice. Because they do talk about her, like, rounding out and stuff. And I'm Mm -hmm. like, oh, like, I guess she's not doing as much archery these days or something. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Also, like, I wish that as party favors we would get diamond encrusted uh, arrow pins for yeah. winning the archery contest. Like, what a classy detail! <laughs> I know that all of that Newland or the Newport stuff. I was like, wow, what glamour! <laughs> I know, so fun. Yeah, I mean. I guess I'm just interested to know what her past was because that I think yeah. might help justify some of her actions more because I think that it's clear that Ellen very much depends on men mm-hmm. to, like, entertain slash get her out of – like, she's, she's like, constantly putting herself in situations to be rescued. hmm Which – like, I can't – I can't fault her or blame her. Because I think that also women have not been her best friend. Like, like no. I feel like Ellen's the kind of girl who doesn't get along that well with other girls. Yeah, well, and it's also like we didn't... be Well, and some, some of this is because it's from Newland's perspective, but I didn't get much of an impression that women in New York society are really friends with each other. Whereas, like, I feel like... It seems like it's all, like, more family Mm -hmm. connection stuff. Yeah, that's how it kind of seemed to me, because even, like, May is considered kind of, like, a top prize for Newland to have in terms of, like, marriage. And he's like, I don't really think that she would have ever had anyone over to the house if I hadn't invited friends or things over before we have our, like, big dinner party. Yeah. Um, like, it doesn't seem like she has, like, that many intimacies with people. Well, and, like, his best man, it's, like, I've never even heard of him until the wedding. Yeah. I'm like, who is like this? That... Like, yeah. <laughs> that's your best friend? Yeah, it's, like, who, what? okay. Yeah. I don't know, it, um, what did you... I have to actually look up what I read it on Goodreads, because I think I read it a while ago. What did you rate it? I gave it a four because i thought it's very very good. I liked I bet it a lot. What I gave it to, but let me look. But I feel like disliking Newland kept me and having the story being kind of told from his point of view kept me from like being fully obsessed with it. Fair. Um, age of I also gave it a 4. Okay. Um and I think I think for similar reasons. I also think that the first time I read it, I was, like, pretty thoroughly disappointed by it, because, mm-hmm. like, House of Mirth is probably my number one favorite book. Like, my wedding rings were carried down the aisle in a copy of House of Mirth, mm-hmm. which, like, spoiler alert, that book doesn't have a happy, like, a, it doesn't end no, in a marriage. So, so maybe it's, like, a weird choice, but... Um, but I loved that book so much and then I read Age of Innocence and it was like I think because it was from the male perspective. I would like House of Marthas it's almost like it is from Ellen Olenska's perspective. Mm-hmm. Like it's like just a whimsical heroine who's like doing her own thing. Which is great. Which is more fun than like a boring loser who's interested in a whimsical heroine. Like, whining all the time. I don't even that's the thing, though. Like, I don't even really think that Ellen Olenska is that whimsical. It's like, she's just there. Like, to me, she's a Serena Where it's like I totally like, can oh. see that. Like, oh, isn't she terrific? And I'm like, no, she's not. Blair is terrific. Yeah. Serena's boring and just okay. Yeah, I, I re- and also just a terrible friend. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so that seems like a good uh, segue to talk about mm-hmm. the opposite or the episode of Gossip Girl called the Age of Dissonance. Dissonance, which I love a good play on words. Which Gossip Girl is known for? Yes, um, I like that they acknowledge, like right off the bat, that they have miscast this play. Oh, because Blair pay- plays Ellen Olenska and Serena yes. plays. And Blair herself is like, I always did imagine myself as the Winona Ryder character, which is May. Yeah. Well, the thing that's funny, though, is that, like, I think that, I was talking to Kara about this this weekend, like, Winona Ryder is, like, kind of a crazy, and so, like, it's, I sort of felt like, I think that might just be the energy that Winona brings to her roles, (laughs) because I think she's kind of a crazy in all of her Parts. But, well, but she, but she doesn't seem like a crazy in the Age of Innocence movie. But, like, oh, I sort oh, of I was understand. like, I feel like she should have been more of an Ellen. Yeah. Like, in terms of, if, if I was gonna cast, if I was, if I heard Winona Ryder was in that movie, I would have guessed that she played Ellen Olenska. Oh, me too. I thought, when, I think you told me last week that she was in the movie, and in my head I was like, oh, is Ellen Olenska. And then you were like, no, May Welland. Yeah, I know. Um... Well, and the other thing, too, is, like, Ellen Olenska is supposed to be a brunette, and so it kind of bothers me that they put Michelle Pfeiffer in, because it seems like just kind of, like, a trope of, like, the big-breasted blonde mistress. Yeah, well, that movie was, what, like, late 90s, early 2000s? Yeah, I think I think more, like, late 90s. Yeah, so that was pretty much, like, late 90s, it was pretty much all about blondes, so they weren't about to, like, make the hot one a brunette. They are like, no, people, the audience won't understand that, so... <laughs> Yeah, I'm trying. I have it in my iTunes library, so I'm seeing when it was. And, I mean, I also think that Dan is miscast as Newland Archer. Even though I do like that they have the parallel of Dan and the teacher. Um, what's her face? What's her name? Rachel or something? Yeah, Rachel. It came out in 2001, by the way, the Age of oh, Innocence okay. movie. Yeah. Well, they I mean, I think. that as a parallel as, like, a Newland Archer count as a good thing I feel like yeah well cause I mean it cause it makes sense because they like you know they clandestinely meet mm-hmm. they make out she feels guilty about it and runs Clearly back to Iowa for each other <laughs> yeah yeah although who is is Dan even with anybody at this point mm-mm he has, like, recently broken up with Serena, though, I think. Yeah, but they don't They, they don't really seem... Like, Serena's very interested in that director. She doesn't seem like she's yeah. pining after him at all. Serena's out to prowl, for sure, in this I like, episode. I like how in that episode they have, like, Serena flirting with an older uh, man and authority is fine and normal. But Dan <laughs> making out with a teacher who's probably the same age or younger is, like beyond horrible the other thing i like about this episode is i feel like it's it's also a good encapsulation of a lot of what gossip girl is which is like that whole element of serena doing that when they go out to dinner <laughs> vanessa nate serena and this director they're all drinking red wine <laughs> <laughs> and then like later blair is like drinking cocktails alone which, like, that to me was always, like, fairly believable that it would be, like, yeah, I mean, like, these kind of high school kids, like, I would imagine. Like, it would... It, well, you know they have fake IDs. Served. Yeah. But I like there, there's all of that stuff going on. And, like, you know, like, sex being talked about very, like, normally and frankly. Like, it's not, like, even a thing that it's going on in right. high school, whatever. Um, and then there are, like, two subtle reminders of, like, they're in high school, well, I mean, they're doing like, a high school play. Like, yes. like that director knows they are in high school. Right. I do like that they purposefully make the play bad. Like, not only does it go poorly, but it's like the acting is pretty bad in it. And so it's like, you see, like, they don't shy away from highlighting that they are in high school. But it's like, Gossip Girl has always been like, they're such adults having like adult problems. And then it's like, Rufus says to Rachel at one point, like, as he interrupts. Like, what's supposed to be, like, a romantic evening between Dan and the teacher, Rachel. Which is, it's just so wildly inappropriate. Like, she's, like, lighting candles in her apartment. And, like, made him dinner. It's, like, it's such an adult date. And it's, like, are you effing kidding me? Like, although that teacher does look legitimately younger than Serena and Blair. Well, I mean, Blake Lively looks, like, 40 years old at all times. Maybe not 40. She's so gorgeous she, in this show. She does look so gorgeous. But, like, she, I think part of it's just, like, how big her hair is or something. Mm-hmm. Like, she doesn't – she has never, ever looked 16. No. On that show. Like, they don't even mm-hmm. make an effort. Whereas, I think, like, first season Blair, like, you could maybe believe she was maybe in high school. Yeah. She's also so gorgeous. Part of it's how they dress her, though, too. Like, Serena, mm-hmm. I think also she's so tall – like, she's yeah. so developed, like, yeah. it's like, this is not, she's got no budlets, like, she, no. um, because they're supposed to be, they're starting out as, like, sophomores in high school. Yeah, which is laughable. Yeah. But, actually, no, like, the, the, the first season is they're juniors, because the second season they're seniors. Because okay. it was the senior class play in the second season. Okay, okay, you're right, you're right. Which, like, in the OC, however, they start out as sophomores, and that is laughable, because they're all in their 20s. I mean, they're, like, it's, like, the same deal. Yeah. Yeah. I was not here for Vanessa, of all people, explaining why the Age of Innocence is good. Vanessa has never been a character that I could swallow at all. Nobody liked Vanessa. I've never met anyone who's like, no i have met people she's who great. who think that and what like that makes me automatically distrust them yeah. a lot she's horrible she's horrible she constantly is meddling in stuff she does not belong in mm-hmm. i think the idea of her being a documentary filmmaker is absolutely laughable and like i wish they would stop inserting that as a plot point with her like dumb camcorder i'm like this isn't gonna be a good documentary this is not gonna be high quality (laughs) (laughs) Um, like i don't understand why they gave her access she's not a constant student also why is she not at school like oh yeah she's homeschooled (laughs) like that that that's a convenient thing they did Her and Nate could not be worse matched in this episode. I think... Which, I mean, this episode was largely about, like, that these two characters, like, have nothing in common. They get back and forth together, like, multiple times throughout the series. And I just... I cannot understand it. But also, though, Nate, they just put him with literally anyone because he has so little personality that... He literally dates every single woman that ever (laughs) appears on the show. Yep. Yeah, literally. (laughs) Literally. Jenny, every Vanessa, one. Serena, Blair, Blair Juliet, Juliet, Ivy, Ivy. Yeah. actual Charlie, probably. Did he, uh, like, he uh, Chuck's mom. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of Chuck, I mean, like, we came in, like, a latter half of his plot line. I hate that plot line. I am so bored by it. It is such it. a dumb, like, every time his scenes came out, I was like, what is this plot? And why would they have chosen to do this instead of have him be a part of the play? Like, I understand. Like, it's a funny joke to say that he got got diagnosed with stage fright so he couldn't do it. But it also, like, it makes no sense if every other character is doing that. And then, like, was there a scheduling conflict? Like, why was he not a part of the larger group? I don't know. And I think, like, there's so many parts that he could have played in it. Like, he He's would have been beaufort. an ideal Beaufort. Yeah. Yeah. Or a Lafert, or Yeah. What, what's his name? Yeah. Lafferts. 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 <laughs> um, Or even a young Newland son. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he could have been Dallas. <laughs> yeah. That would have been fine. Also, I noticed that somebody had the word Howell taped to the top of their dressing room. And I just have a hard time that believing that anyone that went to Constance was, like, particularly moved by an Allen Ginsberg poem. Oh, I would not believe that one bit.
1: Except for, probably... that's,
0: like, that's the Vanessa territory for sure. Yeah, or, like, Dan. Be like, yeah, I, like, totally like Ginsberg. You're like, shut up. Yeah, Dan is the guy who claimed to have read all of James Joyce but never read any. <laughs> I hate, I hate Dan. Um, I love, though, the, the trope of, like, the smart male character is always... I think I've talked about this on the podcast before, of, like, he's always, like, very well-read in this, like, crazy way where they're, like, talking about Faulkner, and you're like, there's no way you have read (laughs) and understood Faulkner in high school. It's too hard. I mean, I find, like, even stuff that I read in undergrad, I'm like, oh, I didn't really... I wasn't ready for that. No. Um... The thing about the the Chuck plotline that's going on right now that I hate a lot is that it's one of those times where they just, like, didn't want him and Blair to be together, but there was, like, literally no reason for it. And so they just created this, like, random, like, he had this encounter with this mysterious woman who he feels like he has to find and save. And it's like, what about Blair? And then it leads him back to Blair at the end of the episode, but she's, like, flirting it up with Carter Basin. Yeah, they have a thing a few times in that show, too. Mm Mm-hmm. He's bad bitch. Well, like, she's in her, like, self-destructive phase right now, which is fun. No, it's... I mean, (sighs) I do not, like, watching Blair beg Sarah Lawrence to let her in. Yeah, but I do like that moment, though, of... I think what season two sets up, and it's annoying that they don't carry this through the rest of the show is season two really allows for a good development of Blair and that, like, when Serena comes and apologizes for accusing her of sending the Gossip Girl blast, that Serena only got into Yale because of a press release, which is true. Yeah, it is true. Um, But she accuses Blair of sending that Gossip Girl blast in. is this after Serena tried to steal Yale from Blair because she's a horrible friend? That was earlier when they were not really speaking. But, like... Let's not forget. Right. Um, But, yeah, so when Serena apologizes, um, Blair's basically like, I mean, why wouldn't you think that? Like, nine times out of ten, that's exactly what I would have done because I was mad at you, and that's what I do. And so it allows for this development. Like, I actually, like, I find the, the teacher plot, like, a little annoying, but I liked it in that it was finally kind of holding Blair accountable for all of her scheming and things and saying like why would you want that I never wanted to stop well I think like light scheming is okay but I liked the idea of it basically being like you're getting a little too old for this like this is like you need to like there's nothing wrong with like being an advocate for your friends or like being able to get what you want but like this kind of it's starting to become a little Cyclical and eventually it's like not an interesting plot. I feel like that it's like when it's like Blair scheming in order to like help Serena or help Chuck or help some like a friend like overcome a problem, I think that's great or get revenge on someone. But see, the getting revenge part, like some like I like that she's reasonably punished for like the revenge she takes on the teacher is basically like she humiliates her. Well, right, but I would argue like that teacher is for having for giving her a B, well, like it's a completely overreaction. It is, but like complete also, overreaction. But also though, like that teacher is having sex with a student. Like she is having at that point though, when she hazes her, she has not had sex with Dan yet, or really done anything other than give her a B. Well, maybe she was a good predictor of what was to come. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh, are you talking but about? I... Are you talking about when she invites her to that thing and then? Yes, okay, that. it's mean. I mean, it's mean, but, like, it's also, you have to remember, like, she's a high school student, which is what well, Dan exactly. says. Right. And so I think, like, all that, and, like, Blair's eventually vindicated, but I did, I do like the push toward Blair realizing maybe it's time to grow up and to stop playing games and to stop, like, and she can still be herself and she can still, like, make things happen for herself and be the, you know, the original and ultimate queen bee but, but eventually, like, this whole, like, cattiness and, like, the childishness of the scheming has to kind of come to an end. And, and I do, I I think that it does, too. I mean, I think that, like, the next couple of seasons for Blair are some pretty hard times. Yeah, but I also think that she's definitely still, I mean, like, I think when she's at NYU, she really reverts back to, like what she understands to try to, like, get power again. (laughs) Right, but she also has literally no friends. I mean, I think, like, I I think, like, it's so clearly a defense mechanism, like, to be Mm -hmm. mean to people and to, like, be like, this is what I'm good at, this is what I'm going to do in order to, like, feel comfortable in my own skin. And it's so sad when she, like, hosts the old sleepover. It's like, Blair, like, you're out of high school. Yeah, that was pathetic. Um... (laughs) But I mean, like, I mean, that's what I find compelling about Blair is that you know that she's always acting out of a place of insecurity and pain. And well, she's also which, had a pretty tough storyline, like, yeah, you know, her dad leaves her mom for a gay lover, and then her best friend yeah. sleeps with her boyfriend. She doesn't get into the school oh, yeah. that I'm she not wants. Saying that, like, I'm not team Blair. I'm just saying, like, with the scheming, like it starts to become too much sometimes. Like, I think they, like, sometimes overuse that plot. Well, and I think sometimes it's just not warranted. Right. And so that's why I like this of, like, her getting her comeuppance and, like, doing a little self-reflection. Because, I mean, like, as I say, hurting people hurt people. Yeah. And so I like that finally she does get, like, a consequence, even though, like, she is eventually vindicated, like, personally for it. I mean, I feel like she's just never fully held to account for anything that she's ever done. And she's, like, done some... She's done some some, mean stuff, for sure. Some reprehensible things. But I, like, I think that she ultimately is a better friend and a better person than Serena. Oh, I would agree with that 100%. But I do like that moment of her being like, yeah, 9 times out of 10, yeah, I 100% would have lashed out at you. Yeah, It just wasn't this time. But I also think, like... Blair Blair never starts shit with Serena. Like it's always because Serena has done something to hurt Blair, usually. Like I don't like yeah. like I think that And sometimes it's like very over the line like having sex with her boyfriend. Yeah. And then sometimes like it's just a feeling of jealousy that starts to escalate. Well, and I think that Serena like when she doesn't gets to do... walk in her fashion show or her mom's fashion show. Okay, but that I blame Eleanor Walder for. That is like the fucking oh, me meanest too. shit I've ever seen. Yeah, it's so bad. They change Eleanor Waldorf's character so much through the show. Like she is <laughs> the meanest lady in the beginning, and then like she's like just like a harmless, like. Well, it's her sweet husband from the Princess Bride. Oh yeah, Cyrus totally mellows her out. Yeah, <laughs> Cyrus. I love when Blair first like when she conspires to break them up because she's like he's unacceptable. I love that plot line though too because he out she he outmaneuvers her and like wins her respect yeah no i think that that's all good stuff yeah remember how serena dates his weird son who's an artist she was that like weird like photography fort and like only like like likes to be in multiple relationships at once yeah and he looks like he's a member of the all-american rejects which were at best band at the time he looks like um adam driver (laughs) Yeah. But, like, Potter, <laughs> <laughs> Ugh, I hate that plot line. I hate every boyfriend of Serena's. I just hate Serena. Yeah. The only characters I, mean- I care about are Chuck and Blair. Well, and also, like, I totally agree with what you were saying about, like, they have all those annoying storylines of, like, they don't want Chuck and Blair to be together at that point, but there's no reason for them not to be. Yeah. And I feel like that ultimately is one of the primary things wrong with Gossip Girl is that there's such a, like, they just couldn't allow themselves to think of ways to have Chuck and Blair to be together and then still have conflict, which I think is just really lazy. Why don't you just use the Nate for all the conflict? (laughs) Exactly. Because Nate being duped by women. Yeah. Um... But, yeah, so like the show starts to feel very cyclical um, after like season three, I would say. Also, like let's just keep um, that's they do the same thing with Lily and Rufus. Mm-hmm. Like it's like they are supposed to be like, you know, they've been waiting 20 years to be together and then they get married and don't work out. It's such a bummer. Yeah, I also have a note here that just just simply Dan Humphrey sucks because he does. Oh, another thing? I think I wrote that after, oh, sorry, go ahead. No, this is, I'm just going to tell a joke, so you go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I think this is after, like, um, Rufus basically, like, finds out that he and Rachel are supposed to meet up, and he's like, she's a teacher, this is gross and unacceptable, and he's like, I'm an adult, so I get to do whatever I want, and he's like, you're still in high school, though. <laughs> No, you do not <laughs> you are 17 years old he's like I'm going to yell in a few months and there I'm pretty sure you're not going to be able to boss me around so you're not going to be able to boss me around now like Dan's arrogance makes me want to <laughs> throw him out of a window I love that Rufus is literally eating a bowl of <laughs> like a pint of ice cream as he's like giving Dan this life lesson <laughs> Jenny's just sitting there with her stupid hair yeah um I was going to say Rufus Humphrey, like, wardrobe and hair is just, like, makes me believe that he is Adam Driver and Girls when he grows up. <laughs> he just, like, kept the apartment and had some kids and there it is. And Adam Driver and Girls would end up being a single dad oh, because of, he has a whimsical wife who just didn't want to do it. Which his wife... In Gossip Girl, is um, the FBI agent's wife in The Americans. Oh, really? Because mm-hmm. at first I was like, where do I know that girl from? I know I don't like her. Allison. I realized it was Allison. Oh, that's funny. Well, that's, I mean, that's how I felt about Army Hammer when he played a con artist in Gossip Girl, as we've discussed. Yeah, I mean, for so, sure. Um, well, and we should. A thing. I don't know. Might have been the ice maker. Oh, that's probably right. Or Rachel fell down or something. I don't. Know. <laughs> um. Yeah. Well, the other nice thing is we have Sebastian Stan, who's in it, who later will be a part of the Marvel franchise as Bucky. Who? <laughs> so Sebastian Stan, he plays Carter Bazin. Oh, okay. And then he's later going to play um, Captain America's best friend, who's eventually used by, like, Russian spies or whatever. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. poor Carter a not actors just destined to play sidekicks for the rest of his life. Yeah, I mean, there are worse ways to live, I guess. Yeah. One of my very favorite Gossip Girl episodes ever is the episode where Nate, like, becomes best friends with Carter Bazin and ditches Chuck. Yeah. And then starts gambling, and Chuck has to mm-hmm. bail him out and, like, trade his, like, Babe Ruth baseball to, like, get him out of debt. Ugh. Yeah, I love that. Also, the old phones that were in this episode oh. made me very nostalgic. They- like, that envy that they had, I was like, oh... They changed... They had all the latest. They changed phones, like, every four episodes, like... Well, because they were sponsored by Verizon, yeah. so anytime there was, like, a new phone, it was, like, one of them had to have it. Yeah. Oh, God. It was great. Um Also, the dress that Serena wears in the play, Maywellen never would have worn a strapless know! feather bodice dress. I know. <laughs> and then... And then Ellen Olenska, who's supposed to be showing a ton of cleavage in every scene, is, like, Blair's wearing a high-necked black dress. I'm like, what? admittedly open back, but, like, how often was her back to the audience? It's a play. (laughs) I know. Yeah, well, I I think, like, it's kind of interesting because I, I was certain that Blair would have been playing May and Serena would have been playing Ellen, but then I can also see the argument the other way of, like, Blair is certainly one to spiral. Mm -hmm. So was Serena. But I think Serena also is just a lot less complicated in a lot of ways, like a more conventional girl than -hmm. Blair is. Even though I'd say Blair on the outside seems like she cares more about appearance. Yeah, I I think that's true. Um, Although I I also have. Now that I'm thinking about it, probably it should have been the other way. Well, I think, yeah, but I like, though, that the show basically acknowledges, like, almost in the first scene, it's like, yeah, we know that the obvious choice is Serena to be Olenska and Blair to be May. But we did want to be a little surprising. Well, and in the episode, like, their plot lines, like, Blair's life is literally falling apart. And then Serena mm-hmm. is just an empty-headed woman, like, who's, like... Who's just, like, trying to get the director to notice. Like, that. she has literally no concerns in the world, so... Mm-hmm. I also love that the primary plot device in Gossip Girl is and, you know, will always be that characters just don't talk to each other. Oh God, I hate and that ask plot. ask the right person the right questions. <laughs> yeah. Also, I have here, you've got to love a good Gossip Girl music drop. I don't remember. What song was it? I don't even remember like what that was in reference to. But I mean, like, obviously the iconic music drop is when Chuck and Blair hook up for the first time in the back of a limo. Mm -hmm. And it's like that crazy rock and roll song. And you're like, oh, is this the best show I've ever seen? I think so. I, my favorite scene probably ever is when Blair gets up at the burlesque club and dances. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. God, what And, like, what you know that? where it's leading. I mean, that's a great episode. And you just see Chuck's it's, eyes alight with wonder. It's called, like, Victor Victrola yes, or something. excellent episode. I own that. <laughs> I own the song of that scene on iTunes. It's called Stripper. Sure. Yeah. It's like, who's that up there? I have no idea. <laughs> Oh, God, what, what's happening with his sexual assault charges? I don't know. I think it's, like, pretty legit. Shit. That's so disappointing. I know. I'm going to Google it really quick. Ah. <laughs> uh. Also, if I can quickly just say, like, since we're talking about Chuck Bass's real-life personality, um... you've got a good heart, you should give it to someone who cares. Yeah. Is what what that woman says after he, like, helps her, but she, like, still, like, runs away. That, like, weird escort, yeah. Yeah, because, like, basically Chuck's plot in this episode is that, like, this woman wants to leave this, like, gentleman's club. She, like, wants to get out of the business, and, like, they're, like, worried that she'll, like, tell their secrets. And so he's, like, kind of shielding her from them. But then, like, they find her and they're like, we'll give you a shitload of money if you just leave town. And she's like, cool. Um, And so she says, you should get, you've got a good heart. You should give it to someone who cares to Chuck. Which, like, when you think about it, like, that is an insane thing to say to a high schooler. Like, just the idea that, like, Chuck is in high school when he's dealing with this issue of, like, an escort and, like, trying to free her from, like, upper-middle-class New Yorkers that are, like, potentially going to kill her if she talks. And then she's like, you've got a great heart, kid. You should give it to someone who cares. And he's like, well, better get off to Blair. I was, it was just the oddest plot line. Like, I just don't know, like, I... It's, like, two episodes long. It's, like, no. And it doesn't, like, really come back. No, and it's also although just I guess like, m- again, wait 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 but remember when w- Bart Bass is actually alive and they find him in that weird sex club is that connected? <laughs> I don't know, maybe. <laughs> um, yeah, it just seems to me like wouldn't it have been more cost effective to like have Chuck be in the play? I just don't know what the point of the story was. It was just to like have him and Blair not together, so like she's drinking alone, and so Carter Bazin can swoop in on her yeah and then he can have the realization so they can continue to be like trains passing in the night as they've been like for most of this season okay so I have so some they can be like I have like, some updates on the Westwick case okay so on my birthday oh. uh, I think charges were filed against him so like in March I so so far four women have come forward with charges ranging from sexual assault to rape and right now the um, Los Angeles di- district attorney is reviewing charges so thus far he hasn't been charged with anything but he probably will be okay so i mean innocent until proven guilty but also like four women is a lot of women to make that up yeah that seems like more than like a i also just maybe i also just really hate Like, I just think that it's so much more often that rape is unreported than people are Mm -hmm. making it up. So I hate that, like, that becomes the narrative of, like, oh, are they lying, like, as though that happens every day. Yeah, well, especially because it's, like, usually not. But I think it's just that people want to believe that it's not true because they don't want to believe that someone... Like, it's, it's easier for someone to believe that someone would lie than that someone would rape someone. Which, I mean, it's... Which is not to say that women, you know, or people in general don't make up stuff. Like, it definitely happens. But I just think that, like, the issue... It's like 90% of women are telling the truth. Well, and I think the issue should be more (laughs) that, like, we aren't prosecuting so many because nobody's coming forward because they're so afraid they're going to be accused of lying. Yeah, well, and I think what also becomes the issue is that in... Um, a lot of sexual assault cases, it really does end up becoming his or her word against their attacker. Right. And so especially when the, the attacker has a lot more power than the survivor, it can become like a very difficult conversation. And also, like if there's not a lot of evidence, really it's like how do you prosecute something like that unless the attacker does the right thing and admits to doing it right which when it's so easy to get away with it's like why would you which i don't know if i've ever said this on the podcast but um you know if you ever anyone is ever a victim of sexual assault do not wash your clothes do not even Mm -hmm. put them in a plastic bag because the plastic bag can destroy evidence put them in a paper bag and bring that to the police station with you and that's going to be the best way that you're going to have some physical evidence that might, you know, help give you some forensic evidence for your case. Mm-hmm. Which I never knew that. I didn't realize that like ziploc baggies could destroy. Yeah, evidence. I didn't know that either. Yeah. So anyway, fun fun tip for anybody yeah. out there. It's just unfortunate. Like I just wish that it weren't so. It wasn't so easy for someone to be like, "Oh, that didn't happen." Because as soon as that kind of comes about, then it's like, I mean, because it's like everyone, I mean, our justice system is built so that it's, it's to keep innocent people out of prison, not like it's about justice for the accused, not the accuser. Right. I think a lot of times. Right. Or that's literally how it was built. Um, Which is not a bad thing. I mean, I think that's how it should be. But yeah, no, no. Yeah. And, but it's just unfortunate that, like, in this avenue, it becomes very difficult I too. I think another thing that's tough sometimes with these cases is that with all the crime shows that we have, like, every juror is now like, well, where is the forensic DNA mm-hmm. that's going to tell yeah. me that this happened when, like, and and, like, that's the only way to get something beyond a reasonable doubt? Yeah. I don't know. It's... The whole beyond a reasonable doubt thing is just, like, very tricky and, like, a very not clear line. Well, I mean, yeah, because you have someone like me on the jury. Like, I'm never going to be allowed on a jury. Because, like, well, I mean, theoretically, (laughs) it could have gone another way. But, like, I like what you said. I can't remember what episode, but you said, like, a reasonable doubt. So, like it doesn't have to be beyond any doubt, which is not how I originally read the word reasonable. Like, I always thought, like, a reasonable doubt was, like, if there is a, a circumstance that you can imagine where this could have not occurred and it could have been, like, some kind of coincidence, like, you can't convict. But that is not necessarily what the word reasonable means. Right. Like, if you say reasonable in that, like, it has to be a reasonable, you know, it can't just be like, well, a bird, like, an owl flew in. (laughs) <laughs> like that stupid staircase case. Have you have you watched that documentary? No, okay, I haven't either. I've only listened to Georgia and Karen argue about it on My Favorite Murder. Yeah, I, I, it's it's on my list to watch. But I mean, it just feels very clear that he's guilty. But again, it's like in that situation. Oh, he's definitely like, guilty. Admit it. Just no, he's definitely it. guilty. But he, yeah, he's also, I don't know. it Doesn't sit well with me when people like won't just admit it. Well, that's most most of them. <laughs> but, um yeah, I mean, I, I guess if the defense can present a scenario that is, like, pretty believable, then I think, mm-hmm. you know, they've undermined the prosecution's case. But if it's, like, they have to come up with some story that is just, like, so very unlikely, then I don't think mm-hmm. that you... I think you can still convict somebody. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think... Yeah. I don't know. Um, well, oh, do you want to announce our next book? <laughs> yeah, it's going to be Crazy Rich Asians, um, which I'm really excited about. We wanted to do a book that we've been hearing good things about from our friends, and also, like, this to me feels like a very classic, like, Summer by the pool, by the beach, by the lake. Read, yeah. I think it's going to um, be fun. Something that's like fun. I will say, like I've I've no- been noticing this book in bookstores. I think for a couple of years now. And the first time I saw it, I was like, that looks like an offensive book. I mean, it's a very it's provocative title. <laughs> <laughs> but then you and then I found out they were making a movie about it, and I was like, oh my. And then you find out, like, I don't know, it's, like, definitely a title that's made so that you'll, obviously, most titles are meant to encourage you to pick up the book. But I think, I think we'll find it's subversive. Yeah. My friend Elena has been reading it, and she said it's very fun, so. Yeah, so I'm very excited. I think it's going to be something different for us, too. Like, I think it's going to be different than what we've been reading lately, for sure. Yeah, certainly different than the Age of Innocence and certainly different from Ted Bundy's whole Yeah. Whole for deal. Sure. I do think I'm um pretty much almost back to my my regular self after Ted Bundy terrified me. Good. I mean I, I now I'm watching court every single day and so I'm like am I'm I'm more excited about crime than I ever have been. But um, well, it's not it's not getting to me too bad. Mhm. I will say, like, right before I fell asleep the other night, I was like, oh, remember that case in My Favorite Murder that I survived where um, the guy broke into her house, or, like, her apartment, and, like, she basically woke up and he was, like, on top of her? Is that the one where it was the security guard? hmm Oh, my God, I love that one. Which is, like, it's one of my favorite stories to retell, but it was literally, like, I was in my bed... Just like like oh, oh yeah. And then I was like, great! Like I'm super glad that I was just about to fall asleep and then thought of like being attacked in my sleep. Now I feel safe. Yeah, you gotta you gotta stop reading anything about home invasions. I haven't been. I did hear a story recently about a home invasion though. It was be- it was like one of those where it was like she was hearing weird things in her house. Oh my god! Then- no. It was like a homeless man. It was like living in her attic or something. Which I was like, honestly, that doesn't bother me as much. Like he's well, just that's in not there like, Not hurting you. like what Wait, about exactly? What about the Spider Man or what, Like the guy. Like remember the one that they told him my favorite murder? I think I talked about it on this before. The guy who was shadowing that woman or that man in his. I don't place. like when they start shadowing. I don't think he had he had shadowed her. the one you're talking about. He was shadowing this woman. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was literally just like living up there and like not really doing a great job of concealing himself because I guess he was like banging around (laughs) at night and stuff. (laughs) I mean like honestly if I heard something banging in my attic though I'd be like it's rats. (laughs) You know. I I ignore it. Yeah. I would never look. (laughs) Rachel and Lauren said I think it was they were at their parents house and Something, I think it was like a mirror in their parents' house fell and shattered in the middle of the night <gasps> once. And I was like, there is no part of me that would ever have gotten out, come out of my room to go investigate that. And Rachel was like, no, you have to go and see what it is. I was like, uh uh-uh. uh, not if it was a person, <laughs> then I'm better off not knowing. I think I would go check it out, but no. If if, Bren, if Brendan think... is there, I will send him to check it out. But I think I would. I would, I would never. I would never go tow. back to sleep. though, is the thing. That's true. I would never. I would not be able to rest easy. But I, I would grab my pepper spray and be ready to roll. My plan when I was a kid, <laughs> and and like a teenager, because I've always had the first bedroom up the stairs at my parents' houses. Um, so you'd be the and, first place they enter, presumably. Yeah. yeah. Like my parents moved, um, to the house that they live in now when I was a freshman in college. So, in both, like in both houses, my room is the first one. And I used to like, think about what I would do if like someone broke into our house. And I, I was like, I'll probably just like pretend to be asleep because if they're like actual robbers, then Like, they won't – they would rather, like, you just be asleep because, like, they're not there to hurt you. Like, I feel like a lot of, like, those, like, where people get hurt is, like, you surprise the robber and then they, like, hurt you or kill you because, like, they were really just trying to go around undetected and they just want to steal your stuff. Like, they don't want to kill you. I guess it just – to me, though, like, if somebody's going into your house in the middle of the night, like, why aren't they going in the middle of the day when no one's home? Right, exactly. Um, yeah, I didn't have a like a part of the plan where it was like if they came in to hurt me, what I would do. I mean, probably just start screaming, I guess. But yeah, I mean, like just go for the eyeballs. I think for like sure. just thumbs to the eyeballs, scream, bite. Yeah, try to get downstairs. Um, my my dad has a uh, um a World War One heirloom sword in our house. Excellent. So it's like, that's going to be something I'm going for. I remember saying something about being scared in our house once, and my dad was like, I'm literally always up after you, and if anyone came in the door, I would, I would get the sword out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I, like, I would awesome. give anything to see Pete Schultz, like, sashimi somebody. <laughs> exactly I need to get a baseball bat for myself though I think my dad keeps scolding me that I don't have one to keep myself safe I think you would need, at least need pepper spray I have pepper spray okay yeah I mean that's for like out and about though but I just feel like pepper spray could really backfire on you so easily It yeah it can I mean not, I haven't used mine yet but I do have it yeah yeah Maybe we. Maybe I'll get you some of those claws, Ooh. you know those things, brass knuckles. Yeah. Or something. I had a friend in college who had a taser. I'm like, oh my god. Are you kidding me? Like, can you? I don't even think that. Like, she'd lend it out too. She'd be like, "Do you want to borrow my taser?" She also, and she'd be like, "It's okay." And we'd be like, "How are you going to get home?" She's like, "It's okay. I also have a knife." And we'd be like, "Oh, what?" Do tasers look like a gun, or do they look like, a, like a shaver, like an electric razor? It looks, like, almost like, um, um, like a... Vegetable peeler, player. Like uh. a, a portable cassette tape, but smaller. It's, like, oh. a square thing, and then you push it, and, like... It shoots at least out the its she thing. Did it she ever like that's use it? it? I want to say yes. Huh. I feel like that's they're 100% they're not illegal. Not sure. uh, yeah, I, I didn't know that she was supposed to have that. Um... One of my sister's ex-boyfriends is in the police academy in San Francisco, and he was telling me that, like, he was doing taser training, and, like, pretty much you're not allowed to tase any woman because if, like, she's between, like, 15 and 60, like, she could be pregnant, and that could interfere with her pregnancy. And, like, obviously you can't tase a child, and you can't chase mm tase an old person so like pretty much Mm -hmm. any woman like you just can't like you should shoot them instead (laughs) which I like I'd never thought about it and you and I guess Mm -mm. you're also not ever supposed to tase somebody who you suspect to be on drugs oh because it can give them a heart attack oh no I I, like I had never realized but also like well because I would always I would say like well like if they're on drugs like you should tase them because you know, they don't know what they're doing, so, like, don't shoot them. You should tase them. I mean, I think, like, I mean, ideally, ideally, it's, it's like, you just nightstick like them. Dangerous. Sure. No, I don't know. I guess Or, like, you just tackle ideally, them. Ideally, they just stop. I don't yeah, know. I don't know. But, yeah, apparently, if you tase somebody who's, like, like if you're on, like, meth or whatever, I guess, like, your heart could stop. Huh. I don't know. I mean, that does add up. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that would not have been my supposition. But in, like, the bailiffs in court, like, so they definitely have a real gun, but then they also have, like, a colorful gun, and I was wondering if the colorful gun is a taser. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it might be. Maybe I'll ask Or it might be, like, a stun gun or something. I just had a lovely experience with one of the bailiffs today. He, like... What a delight. Yeah, he was like, um, are you supposed to be here? Because, so, like, I ha- <laughs> I have my, like, ID... But it hasn't been 100% activated yet because maintenance was on vacation for 4th, 4th of July. So mm-hmm. I've had this, like, fob that I wear around my neck that I used to, like, get into to, like, the restricted access areas. And okay. he was like, excuse me, like, you need to show me your badge because, like, I have no way of knowing if you're a stranger. And I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. yeah, here it is. And he's like, you should, like, probably have it out on your clothes because... Like, this is just going to keep happening to you. And I'm like, okay. So then he got me this, like, little, like, binder clip to, like, clip it onto my jacket. Aww. Okay, wait. I was like, okay, thanks. And um, I asked him where the trial I was going to was in, and he pointed me in the right direction. How, like, at the break time of the trial, he came in, and he brought me, like, a plastic sleeve with a clip on it. And he was like, oh, I, I found this, and, like, I thought, like, this would be better for you than that dumb binder clip. And I'm like... Oh you God. went looking for this, you found it, <sighs> you provided it, you, like, went all the way down to courtroom M to find me. What a helpful man. It was just so nice. Yeah. and like That is so nice. Yeah, so I just, I have to say I've been, like, incredibly impressed with our bailiffs in the courtroom. Mm-hmm. Like, they've been incredibly professional, and I feel very safe in there. So thank you That's to cute. the Marin County bailiffs. Yeah. <laughs> And on that note, <laughs> <laughs> very pertinent to this podcast. Yeah. Um, well, so next week I feel like we can, if you're available, we can record as usual. Um, but then the week after that, I'm going to the beach. I yeah no I think I'm available next week. I'm I'm gonna be away for my anniversary this weekend, but I don't think it should be a problem. I just okay. don't. I just don't think we should assign ourselves like 400 pages of reading. No, I agree. So. Um, <laughs> But yeah, other than that, I think I think my my week's looking pretty normal. Great. Well, expect your first installment of Crazy Rich Asians sometime next week, and we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Bye.